0: Well, I want to welcome you all uh, to this next session. Thank you all for joining us on the final session of the day. My name is Stuart Sanders, and I'm the Outreach Services Manager for the Kentucky Historical Society. And on behalf of KHS, uh, I do want to welcome all of you to Louisville, even though you've been here for a few days. I hope you've had a great experience, especially if you've never been to Kentucky before. I hope you've gotten a a taste of the bluegrass state, and I hope you'll consider uh, coming back again. But the session you're in, as you can see, is uh, Field Services Alliance Tips demonstrating relevance. Again, I'm Stuart Sanders. This is Mark Sunlove from the Ohio History Connection, who will also be leading this session today. Well, first of all, what is the Field Services Alliance? Uh, We are an affinity group of ASLH, and we're essentially the uh, people in state agencies, mainly, who provide capacity-building services for smaller organizations in our respective states. Uh, We're essentially a, a professional association for those who help small museums and local history organizations. So we provide everything from workshops, webinars, uh, site visits, anything we can do, uh, grant funding, anything we can do to help smaller organizations build capacity uh, and help them with professional development. And there's several members of the Field Services Alliance here, if you guys wouldn't mind. Raising your hands. David's here, several more. So uh, we've got a good, strong group. Uh, We meet here every year as part of this uh, session. But FSA, we meet twice a year uh, once at this conference, once in March as well. We do that as a way to network, share ideas, and and hopefully help move organizations forward uh, across the country. Next one, please. Today, what we're doing is this is going to be a current issues forum. Uh, to discuss relevance in organizations. Uh, So what we're going to do is discuss the current issue, which is, of course, relevance. Mark and I will be uh, uh, helping with this session and moving things forward. But the idea is, too, as you can tell, establish the issue's implication for the field, and then we'll talk about different questions that we should all be addressing uh, to become relevant organizations in our respective areas. But we'll have small groups that will identify strategies to really move those questions forward and solve the problem, and then we'll make a, a report to the full group. So uh, expectations for today, as you are here, is, of course, you see the big one, participation. This is a small work group. We're going to divide up and, uh, and have a discussion. Um, we are being recorded, audio only, so we'll try to pass the mic around. Um, we're hoping to record this for posterity and catch all of your great ideas. <laughs> and uh, then we're going to... Uh, end up doing an ASLH technical leaflet as part of this. And, you know, our favorite part is, it's okay to leave now if you want to. Uh, again, this, we hope this will be a very highly participatory session. So we do want to see a lot of uh, discussion. If you're worn out, if it's been a long conference and you don't feel like speaking up, you know, you won't hurt our feelings if, uh, if you take off. But we do hope you'll stay. So come in and sit down and please join us. But. Uh, But uh, here's the agenda for today. Obviously, we're doing a quick introduction. We're going to discuss the overall history relevance campaign that you all are are probably well familiar with by this point. Then we'll do small group breakout sessions. Then we'll share that information up to 440. And then everyone will vote on these pads for uh, the top ideas. We'll explain the top three ideas and uh, why they're on the list. And then we'll have um, a few minutes to wrap things up and discuss uh, everything that's going on. Yeah, the History Relevance Campaign. uh, How many of you all have been to the History Relevance Sessions this time? Several. Uh, This is a large uh, national movement. Um, They've got a great website, historyrelevance.com, but it's uh, essentially to talk about why history is essential, not only for ourselves, but also for our, our communities. So we're hoping that this session will end up building in to the larger History Relevance Campaign, and really provide them with uh, some ammunition from smaller organizations so they can really help get the message out across the country why it's so important. Um, obviously, it's important to us as individuals. It's important to our communities for economic development to come vital places where we live and work, and then also for our future. I mean, as was discussed today, you know, we want an engaged citizenry, uh, and history also informs us in terms of leadership and, and, and those other great points. We all are well, well familiar with that stuff. But uh, uh, again, on behalf of of me and Mark, we're happy you're here today, and we're going to go ahead and and move quickly into uh, the format.
1: Right. So when we talk about relevance, um, I found this great thing. It's something A is relevant to a task that you're doing, T, if it increases the likelihood of of accomplishing your goal, which is implied by T. So when we think about this uh, today, we're looking at four different groups of people, because we believe that relevance is is also relative. Um, you know, if you think, I was thinking about how to, some ways to kind of summarize this. When you're driving down the road, say you're driving down Main Street and you're looking for a particular address, you're passing hundreds of signs, right? Um, most of which you aren't paying attention to because you have a pretty good idea of where you're going, and those signs, therefore, are irrelevant. They don't help you on your way. They're not helping you reach your goal. Um, so when we think about relevancy, <clears throat> you have... A number of groups as a museum or as an organization that you're trying to appeal to Um, and those groups are going to find parts of your message relevant and they're going to find parts of your message more irrelevant that they're really not very concerned about some things will appeal to to certain people in different ways than other pieces of information so today's question again back to that current issues forum that we talked about this we pose the question and you basically provide the answers um, the ultimate question today is how do you demonstrate relevance um, of your offerings your work your organization however you want to frame that to these four different groups educators um, and just some examples of those which pretty obvious teachers professors school boards uh, superintendents who are making decisions um, a second group is community leaders uh, you know mayor city council whoever you work with maybe your county commission state or federal legislators um, so on and so forth um, and then financial donors um, private foundations federal agencies uh, donors etc um, and then neighbors just your community who's just your, kind of your average folks who don't necessarily fall into one of these particular uh, three categories i would I would add to this that there's other groups too that that aren't on this list this isn't obviously everybody who who's interested in you and and, or or could be or should be interested in you but I thought this was a a good starting point Um, so you see there's four boards um, in the room Uh, one will be educators one will be community leaders one will be financial donors and then the last group will be neighbors Um, so you can advance uh, Are there any questions as to the format, or what's happening, or kind of what the expectations are at this point? (coughs) Okay, all right. What I'm going to ask you to do is break into four groups. I would advise you to go to whichever one of these will be your particular strong point. Um, Maybe if you're an educator at a museum, you want to go here. If you're in development, maybe financial donors. neighbors and then uh, community leaders politicians uh, so on and so forth Um, your group your task is to develop a list of ideas of of how you can demonstrate your organization's relevance to your assigned group Um, you should select a group spokesperson um, who will share your results with the rest of the group uh, when you're done compiling the list Um, at the end of the 20 minutes that we have here you're going to present that full list to the group Um, And then that spokesperson or or somebody in your group should be prepared to expand on what will be selected as your top three. Um, So again, if you remember back to the agenda, we're going to do this work. That work is going to be presented a couple minutes, just quickly looking at your list. Um, You're then going to get stickers, and you're all going to vote on your top three for each group. Then a spokesperson for that group is going to come up and describe or explain and provide some more background on those top three, and then there'll be some more discussion following that. Um, Is there any questions or need any clarification?
2: I think it would help if you assign the topic to each of the boards so we don't let go. Sure,
1: okay. This is educators, that's community leaders, that's financial donors, that's neighbors. Uh, feel free to move the boards to your particular location we got a table back there Uh, this will be this table will be educators that'll be community leaders this will be financial donors and this will be neighbors here so go ahead and and find a group that that works best for you that you think you'll have the most uh, uh, contribution and again feel free to move your board Um, you have about 20 minutes what we'll do now is we'll have every
0: uh, group share their list <laughs> you've been working on. Uh, thanks for for plugging ahead on this. Um, again, we are recording this while so passing around the mic, but uh, we will start with the educators' small groups. If you could talk about uh, talk about your list.
3: All right, it is an extensive one. Uh, the educators have to co- to consider: does it match the standards, content, skill development? I'm a teacher. I promise you. This is a big one. Is it accessible? It may be a lovely program, but they have to have be uh, accessible. Awareness of time constraints for the educators and for the students. Uh, ask what do the teachers really need with need help with. You know, we think we know, but you need to check with the teachers. Um, we feel like there's some duplication of services. In my last program, he said he was from Colorado, and there were like 50 Gold Rush kits but nothing about anything else. But everybody could. It was overkill. And we also said when you find out there are duplication of services, you should be able to collaborate. Page two, big consideration. What can we afford? And we found, at least here in Louisville, you got to make it free to the students or those outlier kids and uh, West End kids are not going to be able to attend. Um, If you're sending something out, it's got to be adaptable to the teachers in the classroom, and it's got to be... Easy. We don't need something more to read. Uh, we said there's lots, lots of language and cultural barriers with things that we, the materials we're providing. Uh, we said we need to get teachers a variety of tools so they can select what will be most useful for to them. Uh, we said you have to consider with your museum programming. Uh, there's a lot of alternative educators, not just the schools. There's homeschools and there's after-school groups, YMCA's, and things like that that don't have the standards time time constraints. Uh, We said it's important to get feedback from educators after they use your materials or access your materials so that you can use them for evaluation purposes. Uh, You must demonstrate your relevance to the boards, both the uh, the school board, your museum board, definitely, and the funders. See, this is what the kids and the uh, educators are saying about it. And uh, we talked right here at the end about whether we're reaching out to a community. And if your people in your community are not visiting, you need to open your hours and maybe have an open house.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Next, we've got community leaders. So, how are we uh, showing relevance to community leaders?
4: So, one of the most important ways we show relevance is by being community leaders ourselves so that we're not sort of showing up randomly, but rather we're participating in uh, community groups like Kiwanis and Rotary and things like that. this one was uh, very powerful for us and that is communicating what is lost if we are not present mm-hmm. so the the idea of uh, essentially what we're protecting um, what would happen if the services that we provide go away and that that's a very powerful way of communicating the importance of of or the relevance of what we do um, we tried to connect to their goals not ours so thinking about If uh, the legislature or the state has specific goals that they're trying to achieve, making sure that we're demonstrating to them how we are helping them achieve those goals. Um, Asking what we can offer them, so to, to be responsive to them. Find out how they perceive us. The best way that we can be relevant is to make sure that we have a full understanding of their perception of our organizations. Um, definitely using the argument of the economic impact of history institutions museums um, you can get tax credits things like that um, pointing out that their constituents are often our clientele so that when we are serving visitors to our museums when we're serving people in our communities we are <coughs> serving their constituents speaking specifically to folks in government um, Talking about how we build capacity in the community build capacity among organizations We uh, talk about our stewardship role and this connects to loss. We're protecting the things that they care about So really focusing in on what the particular community leader feels is important and then demonstrate how we're protecting that across time Um, Talking about being a venue for engagement serving as a community center and then finally, we have uh, just this notion that connects the economic impact of the tourism value of historic sites, museums, etc.
0: Great, wonderful, thank you. And of course, we all have to keep the lights on. So, financial donors are the next group. So, who is the?
5: Here, I'll turn this so that y'all can see it. Uh, So, this is not really in any order because it was just kind of stream of consciousness, but um, our first thing we thought of was a well thought out case statement um, that's going to really lay it all out. Um, And In that case statement um, and and in our everyday talkings, we would want to talk about the narratives and the stories and the examples um, so that it can really kind of personalize what the funders learn about our organization. We would want to make sure that we are giving them measurable, specific outcomes about what we would do with an investment in our organization. Um, We thought fundraising plan, which really kind of encompasses most of what's on here. um, So maybe it should be at the very top. Um, So then we also talked about stewardship and this idea that we would want to um, maintain our relationships with current funders that we have and make sure that we're really keeping them engaged um, and keeping them informed about what's going on. Um, for some donors, uh, and you know, they appreciate recognition. They want the community to know what they've been investing in, um, and sometimes that helps them become more, uh, stay more involved with the organization. Um, kind of the the next step of the me- the measurable specific outcomes is really the impact, um, and because we are history organizations, we would want to be dis- uh, demonstrating to them the history connected impact. Um, Again, just the idea of the building relationships. Um, we would think that in order for our organization to be relevant and to be seen as relevant, we should all, um, everyone on the team, be giving a consist- consistent message about what our mission, are, uh, mission is, what our goals are, um, you know, and what we do with their investment. Um, and then we also think that a lot of times funders look to see who else is funding us. Um, They want, nobody wants to jump on a sinking ship. So they want to know that other people, you know, have said, yes, we believe in what this organization is doing. Um, And then we also talked about, um, you know, we are not necessarily going to be relevant to every organization. Um, So we need to make sure that we really have, um, we find those funders that have a priority match for us um, that are are on board with what we're doing and so that we can invest our time and effort into those relationships.
0: Thank you. That's great. Next, another important group, we have neighbors.
6: All right, so we talked about place and using the physical space in which we're inhabiting to kind of demonstrate our relevancy, um, especially if your museum has a very specific reason for being where it is. Um, To be involved in the things that your community is involved in, being involved in the neighborhood associations, going to the events that they go to to kind of make that connection that you are one of them. Um, Become an anchor for neighborhood stability, so be a place where they can come to and gather and um, get to understanding what's going on kind of along those same lines, being a space and a place for community, the community to congregate, whether it be a rental space that other people use or um, museum-specific things, to collaborate with your organizational neighbors, so knowing who's around you, um, being kind of doing visual and oral community exhibits to also kind of help solidify the why you are where you are, Um, to define and acknowledge your neighbors so really understanding who your neighbors are and not turning a blind eye to those who maybe cannot financially support you but understanding that everybody has something to give and make sure that you're connecting to all of them Um, to provide a safe place in your neighborhood for people to come together which kind of goes along with another one that we had which is to be nimble and reactionary to the things that are happening in your neighborhood in your nation in your town etc and become a space that people can come to and discuss those things to use your immediate space to discuss and interpret your larger neighborhood space so understanding how you fit into the overall fabric of your community Um, and in those same lines to kind of create maybe micro marketing ideas so making sure that you're not just marketing to your state if you're statewide, but you're also pushing a specific marketing plan to your neighbors, to your neighborhood, those who are most apt to physically come because they're closest to you. And then to know the needs of your audience, um, not just to jump on a national bandwagon. If you have a community of neighbors who are lawyers and bankers, don't become a maker space. So to kind of know your audience in that respect and understand what to do and therefore also what not to do. Um, also, to make sure that you're working with local schools in a variety of ways, and to maybe even do some community-curated and collaborative exhibitions. Great,
0: good answers. Are we, are we excited about these? We well, like them. What we'll do next, and I'll let uh, Mark will talk about this. We're going to vote in our small groups for our top three. Mark, going to go ahead?
1: Yeah. So as Stuart, when we started this uh, session, told you this is Field Services Alliance tips. That was the name of the session. Um, so what we're The root of this or the kind of the cause that that this is all going towards is trying to help field service folks and also museum folks. When they're called and they say, hey, we're having a tough time connecting with donors or we're having a tough time connecting with our community leaders, do you have some tips for us or some advice how to demonstrate our relevance? So you've all given us long, useful lists. Um, What we'd like you to do now is distill those into the... If you could tell somebody three things, um, how, to, how to demonstrate your relevance off of your list, um, what would those three be? So kind of distill them down to, uh, to the top three, so to speak. And then, and then after that's done, again, explain to the group um, why uh, why, you, why you selected those three or, or why you deemed those to be the most important. We can do this one of two ways. Um, we have stickers that you can vote. Um, if you're, there's already been a lot of discussion, um, if you feel like your group is pretty close to already knowing what the top three might be, you can do it that way. Um, so I guess if you want stickers and you want to vote,
0: raise your hand. Raise your if you hand. Or if you want to have a discussion, talk. Okay. Okay. So
1: we choose our top three. Choose your top three yes. off of your list, and then and then you're going to explain them.
7: While we're, uh, while we're
0: waiting, let me ask everyone just a really quick question. They're wrapping up. How many of you are from what you would consider a small organization? Small organization. Great. This is perfect. You know, again, as field services reps, this is what we need. We need this information so we can actually help you. We've got a great website, the Field Services Alliance. Just Google up. Uh, we've got a list of field services offices in your respective states, so if you haven't worked with people before, they're out there to help you and help you build capacity and uh, help you grow your staff, your boards, and uh, anything that's related to your organization. So be sure to check that out. And that's my my segue plug, I think we're good? We're good. good. All right, I feel like Mari Povich here, but there are no DNA tests, you'll be happy to know. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: That's
0: right. So educators, anyone wanna?
2: Sure, well, the two-way communication and dialogue between the educators and the institution is really what we're talking about here. If we're not providing a service that the teacher needs, what's the point? Um,
3: Even if it's great,
2: stuff. it could be a terrific idea. But if a teacher can't use it, there's no point in, in spending your effort on it. Uh, the other thing, the second thing, is matching the the program and the content that you want to the standards that the teachers are required to teach, so that. Um, they can use that information in a variety of ways in their classrooms and provides them with the content and the skills that, and, and those tools that um, causes them the least amount of effort to do, I mean, as, as I much as possible. Easy, yeah. No, Well, you know, they There's can the choose reality. to use our materials or not. But if we make them really relevant to them, if we make them useful to them and comfortable and easy to use, they're going to want to do it more often uh, and continue to do it year after year. And then finally is this, is justifying the program through your evaluation uh, materials and your evaluation results so that um, its relevance is obvious to your stakeholders, whether it's future educators your board uh, the funders who support that program all of those stakeholders need to be able to see that this program is worthwhile this activity is providing the goals that we wanted to and that we're getting measurable achievable results out of it
1: I would just I jump in right now if you have questions or comments for a particular group just jot a note and we'll We'll come back to those after everybody's gone through their, uh, their respective top three. All right,
0: community leaders. Who's up? you up great?
7: So one of the, the first ones we have is uh, economic impact and the various multipliers of what that means. That ranges from the impact our organization has on the tourism of the region, on providing jobs. If there are projects that we are doing, uh, restoration, you know, we have jobs that that creates. Uh, we ourselves generate uh, revenue with what we do. So there is an Economic impact that we create being in uh, uh, in existence and and being in the community. Um, We also serve their constituents, whether that is um, politicians or even businesses, they have constituents. Everyone has a constituency, and uh, we serve the community, and therefore we are serving their constituents. So uh, there's a common link between us and the, the community leaders. And then finally, um we are active community participants um we're ambassadors to the community while the community leaders, in quotes, might not see themselves as leaders um, we know that they are, and we want to to show that we are a part of this together. We are one of you um and we're we're in this together and we're one united community and uh we want to present that to uh the community leaders that we are we are one with them
8: great
0: because okay. <laughs> you, know, you know these are all our neighbors too right so then now we're seeing how the groups uh the different constituencies are actually relating to one another now the, <laughs> the people who gave me a dirty look i'll hide back here and uh we'll look, talk about fundraising the fundraising
5: Okay, so I want to mention that as we were talking, part of what took us a while is because we realized that in between the first time that we were working on this and this time, we switched our perspective. So we were we initially were brainstorming from the perspective of what would we think the funders would want to see. After you said that this was going to be going to people out in the in the field, then we became, um, our discussion kind of focused around what would we tell other people that we think is important. Um, and so it made us kind of change our perspective a little bit on what we thought might actually be doable. Um, we kind of agreed that the fundraising plan is kind of the ultimate goal. Um, an organization may not necessarily be ready to commit to what you would, a funder would consider a full fundraising plan. Um, so. We, um, I will admit, combined a few things because we thought it was kind of a, a logical this, this, and that. Um, so we said we um, would identify and communicate history-connected impact through measurable specific outcomes and compelling narratives. Kind of the idea of part of that case statement. Um, and then we also decided um, that building relationships with the diverse funders according to priority projects. So again, that idea of building those relationships with who we think Um, is the most um, reasonable and and, um, best funder for our our initiatives. So we only needed two, even though we might have combined six. (laughs) Um, And then we also wanted to mention, um, we talked about fundraising tools, again, when we were coming from it as that perspective of what we would advise other people in our field. Um, And so there is a program called CDP, which is the Cultural Data Program project I'm sorry Um, it is not in every state David do you know how many states Uh, okay so your state may have it Um, it basically is almost like a common application for a lot of funders so you don't have to and correct me if I'm wrong or do you want to talk about it because you know more about it it than I do
8: side to it because it will follow along with your audit and then, um, but your staff will need to come in and say details out how many performances you present each year, um, how many people are in attendance, how good is this, how how many members do you have, how many individual donors do you have, how many corporation donors do you have. It gives all that information. So it it will will paint a picture of your organization from a funder's perspective um, to let you know if you're having diverse funding, you know, coming into your organization, so um, all
6: of that to help balance out their decision to be able to provide funds for you. But it's a good, it's a good one to do if you if you can. Thanks, Laura. Kind okay, of neighbors. All right, so we also kind of looked at our whole long list and found the commonalities. So we created the three commandments of neighborhood relevancy. Um, the first one is to know thy audience, and not just to know who they are physically, but to know them, to really know what they like, what they don't like, what they do, what they don't do. Um, The second one is to be open to thy neighborhood, both physically, because some of us aren't always, um, and mentally, to provide that space where they can react to what's going on in their lives. And then to support thy neighbors by collecting their stories, collecting their objects, but also participating in, um, actively in the neighborhood associations and such. Perfect. So, what are we missing?
0: Additional comments? What are we missing? Do y'all see anything that we need to be including from the other groups? Do y'all feel like this is is covering it pretty well?
4: Yes. It's amazing to have a conversation about making organizations relevant without actually talking about content at all. Yeah. And I think that. All of these things are great, but in the absence of providing meaningful programmatic content, it all gets kind of ridiculous. So I think you have to start with why we do what we do, right? Right. And then use these as the tools to kind of bring people along for that ride.
2: Right. We actually kind of thought about that in our idea of communication and dialogue two ways. It's what can we do for you given the materials that we have available? So here's our collection. Here's our content. How is that going to be relevant to your classroom or to your neighborhood or whatever? But I also really like this concept of being physically and mentally open to your neighborhood. We were talking about this sort of tangentially because um, my institution is right in the middle of the neighborhood where everybody else is a residential home, and we're there 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. So, you know, <clears throat> we virtually have no contact with our neighbors. They're at work while we're open, and we're leaving when they're home. So, you know, if we're not providing those sort of late-hour, weekend Open times, we're not serving that constituency at all. And does that make us relevant to the rest of our uh, people that we serve? You know, the educators might think, well, you know, I've never been to the Fraser. Why do I or the Filson Why do I even want to include them in my classroom? So, anyway,
0: other comments. Questions? How about are we missing any what constituents are we missing? Because we're obviously missing some. So you've got educators, we've got neighbors, we've got funders, we've got community leaders. Are we missing any key constituencies you
2: can think of? I mentioned earlier that with the fundraising your first list, that some of the things you identified were the
7: same things that I think about my programming and how I explain my relevancy, what I do to my board. Yes. Uh, I don't (laughs) fundraise, but I have to prove to my board that what I do is of value.
9: I'd say as far as other constituents, it's not just the board, but it's also volunteers (laughs) and people to support you in other ways so that they understand why their support is helpful, why you need them, what they're doing is making a difference. But I also was going to say, years ago, I had a board member, and it kind of speaks to all of these different areas. He would always say, just make your friends before you need them, because you really don't know where somebody's going to come along and be able to help you that you don't see it at this moment. But in two or three years, you're going to need somebody.
0: Right. One of the first sessions I went to was on advocacy in general, and that was sort of – that fits into the whole neighborhood thing. But the point they made was don't wait until there's a crisis to get to know your neighbors. So I think that was sort of the perfect point for everybody.
7: I think the the constituency we're missing are ourselves and our staff. Right. I think you would think that because we're in it every day that obviously we know the value and importance. We don't need to pitch it, but um, it's so easy to get uh, tunnel vision with the, the, the literal work that we get burned out. We forget the actual importance ourselves. And for those of you who have... I guess I have two staff, but for those who have staff, um, they might be working there just because it's a job, not because they're passionate and want to do it. It's, it's how they pay their bills. And that's a constituency that I think needs special attention, not just as the neighborhood, but as you your organization itself. And I guess that can tie in to the board. The organization is an audience. This yes,
8: man. I... Um have about 75% of my visitors, and I'm a bigger organization, so we not fit. But they come from out of state, so they're not exactly neighbors. They would be community if you, you know, think of community right. as of, in the broadest in the broadest sense. Um, so I just throw that out that it's not always the people right around you. You need to be thinking more right. geographically, perhaps.
6: Yeah. Uh-huh. just to kind of go along with that is that it seems like museums have one problem or the other. They either focus so much on their immediate community that they forget that there are those they can reach and be relevant to outside of that. And there are others, you know, at the Connecticut Historical Society where I used to work, our past had been so much about the entire state that we forgot that we had people three blocks away who we could be serving in a way that we're not going to ever be able to serve those who are practically New Yorkers who go to the Met instead of coming to Hartford. So you, there's, everybody's got one of those two problems, and it would be great to figure out how to balance it out.
0: Any other comments or questions? Kent, do you have anything? Uh, you know, to your point
9: about, uh, it, it was great, uh, we often are so busy doing work we don't step back Um, I'm curious to know, how many of you are familiar with the History Relevance campaign? I think Stuart touched on it at the beginning, but if you're not familiar with it, I would encourage you to go to historyrelevance.com. I mean, part of what we're trying to do is create a common vocabulary that that concisely creates some sort of skeletal uh, series of strategic messages that, um, you know, outline their seven value statements, but they're fairly succinct and they're designed it covers sort of the, the wide range of public history, um, but uh, we've been really encouraged because a lot of folks have found that language helpful in their own communities as they've been making cases to every one of these audiences. Um, and I think there's a piece of this that fits every these. So if you haven't gone to uh, historyrelevance. dot great. Um, uh, we'd encourage you to do that. And if you're interested in getting involved in that effort, Uh, You can do a lot of things. You can sign up uh, for just uh, some consistent communication from us. There are several task forces, one working on a digital strategy. Uh, One, we're trying to build a toolkit. I think there were several references to tools. So if you could think, man, I wish the field had such and such. I could put that to use or the the various other organizations I encourage and support. Um, So if you're interested in in toolkit development, and then very quickly there's an impact uh, project where we are trying to identify uh, projects that have had, uh, history-based projects that have made a difference in, in communities. Um, so if you've got one you've worked on or one you've seen, or if you're interested in maybe even serving as a volunteer to interview some of these groups, um, we've interviewed about two dozen uh, organizations, but we love to just create this war chest, if you will, compelling testimonies, uh, testimonials that help drive us this point home Um, and if you haven't if you're in an organization that has not endorsed the value statement yet we've got nearly a hundred organizations from all across the country some of them are local some are state some are regional and we've got a number of national organizations that endorsed it so uh, but don't just endorse it there's information about ten ways to to uh, put these uh, these values to work and so what we want to make, we want to make this information accessible, we want to refine it to serve the needs of the profession, um, And uh, but don't think, oh I better not use that. Plagiarize the heck out
0: of it, that's why it's there. You know, um, but if it works, let us
9: know because we can encourage other people
0: one thing they mentioned in one of the meetings too was you know if you could find two three or four organizations in your area tell them about the campaign get them signed up and get them to be part of it too and that's that sort of grassroots effort it's really going to make a difference in the uh, in the long run so, so we encourage you also you know share the link and, and help spread the word about these i actually have a question about
2: the relevance campaign and this sort of field services idea yeah these concepts are really the thirty thousand foot view right so what is, what is going to get us down to the chewable bites that the small institution can use when they have you know, one director and a half-time secretary?
0: And that's something, I think, Mark and I are work on boiling this down to a manageable list. Um, I think what we wanted to do first was have this discussion uh, at that larger level. And so what we'll end up doing, we've passed around a sign-up sheet. There's gonna be a technical leaflet it's going to come from this, but we'll also probably work on really trying to boil it down and make it useful to the small organizations that we work with. Yeah. And those so, same ways to use the value statements
9: are only are not only valuable to organizations that have this number of staff and this size of budget. I mean, most of that can be transferable. And none of us can do it all simultaneously. Find a piece that works for you and drive hard to it. You know, somebody else you get to the rest right of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's easy to think, oh, if I can't do it all, I can't do any of I it. Mean, I mean, take whatever piece that really, you know, if that, that really accentuates the strengths and the assets of your organization or, more importantly, helps address a, a need in your community. I mean, that's where, you know, the content company, you know, taking compelling collections and, and content and then uh, aligning that with a, with a present-day uh, challenge or your community, boom, that's when you see the relevance of history just front and center.
2: Well, I can see this as being something that maybe the um, local museum association, if you have one in your community, or the collaboration of community educators or something like that, could take on as a way to involve all of these cultural institutions uh, together right. and, and sort of make it more comfortable for them so that each one of them doesn't have to invent a wheel right. to get all this material out. And the other thing
9: is we're hoping that, that this, let and, me and say, history Relevance campaign is a disaster. It's a placeholder domain that's been around for two years. Relevance puts us on the defensive. Um, this is not what it will be when we really try to go public. We're trying to get the collective house in order within the field. But when we say the field, we're trying to... to uh, Created as broad a tent as we can. I mean, some of these um, uh, entities that have endorsed the organization we've got academic organizations, we've got K 12 organizations, we've got archival, we've got preservation, we've got resound. Hey, again,
10: you know, one of the things that I think is really important. Um, for those who worry about size of organization and lists and all of that, I counsel about 500 local historical organizations of all sizes across Minnesota, and sometimes I work with state historical organizations and other parts of the country, too, on a wide variety of issues, and some, uh, these lists scare the willies out of a lot of people, and I often think about um, what I learned from doing strategic planning. Oftentimes, I mean, how many times have you seen a strategic plan with a long list of, of things, the seven values and, and so on, and the things that you have to memorize and, and check off, like a laundry list or a grocery list that you take with you every week to the store? What it really boils down to, and this is why it's applicable to any level, is the zeal that you bring, the belief that you bring in what you do. You, if you don't have that, You're not going anywhere, and you have to know why we do history. We do history not so much to know about the past, because most people see that as not particularly relevant to them. We do history for the future. We collect today for tomorrow, so that people in the future have access to what it was like for us in their past. And there's no reason to collect any of this stuff. Rotting away in warehouses all over the country unless we're gonna use it to help people live a better life. If you believe those three things, you're gonna convince your donors to invest in you. You're gonna convince the school kids and the teachers to come to you because you believe this. You're gonna convince your neighbors that you're worth stopping in, whether you're two blocks away or 200 miles away, all right? You have to believe it in your core and then take it to whomever you're, you're you're reaching. If it's simply a list, it's not going to work. You have to believe it. We are
0: running out of time, Mark. Any final final comments? And
10: comments? Um, no. Just to recap, that
1: your work is was fantastic today, and thank you very much. A um, little different type of session than I know the standard sessions are. Um, you. It was it was great to see you jump in get after it and get it done um, it's not going to end here you, your work will come back to you um, the work that you did here today will come back to your email make sure you um, filled out that sheet which is somewhere in the room and um, we'll get that to you um, and then AASLH asked that this session be audio recorded obviously that's why you're walking around with the microphones Um, and then they also asked us to turn it into a a technical leaflet so that's all coming down the line and as those things come out we'll have this email list uh, group list created so you you'll uh, keep in touch and you can uh, get into history relevance uh, campaign and uh, let us know how that goes and and, you know talk with those folks and, and, uh, and keep this conversation going and alive and keep making forward progress
0: We also have evaluations. Uh, Feel free to leave those on the table, and uh, one of the volunteers will pick them up. But uh, on behalf of uh, Field Services Alliance, thanks for being here. On behalf of the Kentucky Historical Society, thanks for coming to this conference. I hope you've had a great time. We've enjoyed seeing all of you here in in the bluegrass state, and we hope you will return soon. So I hope you have a a great rest of the conference. Thank you all so much. (laughs)